0: Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more.
1: I got you in here finally. You did. Cool. <laughs> the gangster. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like you guys are you guys are a couple of South Florida OGs, right? And when I say OG, I don't mean original gangster. I mean offshore godfathers. <laughs> right? And that's the truth. All right, so uh I'm glad you're back. Yeah, thanks for having me back, right? man. You came back? Yeah,
2: glad to be here. You yeah. came back. We have business Yeah, take care of. We got business to take care of. We, so. we got business, to, we take business of. to take care of. Damn right That's we it. do. Well, I like That's that a, ring. Thanks, man.
1: Let me see yeah. that thing. There you go. Skull and waves, man. David Yerman. That's sweet. Yeah, I like it, man. It's kind of under sweet. I like it. Right on. So, okay. listen. Welcome to Connected by Water. All right? Presented by Joey Carty Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and fueled by Papa's Pilar Room. All right, I am here today. I'm your host, Dennis Friel, and I am here today with, as I said, a couple of offshore godfathers, right? Welcome back to the show, Thanks. Tiny Walcott, and welcome to the show, Mr. Tim Maddock. Thank you for having me. Yes. So, um, what's up, man? Tell me a story. <laughs> man, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> no, no, this, is, so this, is, this is why I say that. This is why I say that, right? Because when I saw him at the Cove tournament, we're sitting on Nate's boat. And it was after your episode, right? He's like, man, me and Tiny go way back. You we don't do. even know how far back we go. I mean, way back. Call him right now. Call him right now, right?
3: Yeah. So do I'm we, like, all right. So tell you do, me a man. story. We, we were just starting to talk about
2: it. Uh-huh. I, I'll tell you a good story quickly about this guy. This guy, <laughs> very influential in my career. Very, very influential. Yeah. Um, one of the He was the first guy... That really had been in the, I met, uh, like, that had been in the private boat world, had been, like, catching giant bluefin tunas and, like, trolling and kite fishing. And, I mean, he's, I, whether you guys know it or not, this is, like, this is definitely one of the Pompano gangsters. Oh, I know it. From OG. Like, when it comes to kite fishing, like, his team and his gang <clears throat> definitely in the midst of making it what it is today. Like, I credit him a lot for the kite game, you know, well, I credit you like- for
1: bringing him into the room. Cause this is episode 81. <laughs> and, and I think I've been asking him to come in since episode one. Yeah. Right. And he's finally here.
3: Uh, it wasn't that it wasn't. I that don't he, know. But he's, he's it, a, I've a, been asking you for a while. He's a and quiet, he's like, I'll, cocky. Come in, I'll
1: come in. Oh, not, not, not yet though. Not yet though. He's a quiet, cocky, understated
2: yeah. guy. It's really unique. He's a, he's a unique dynamic kind of guy. He's a, a, a definitely a different dude. That's for sure. A different thinking. Yeah. And, uh, no, Cocky definitely. as hell
1: if, if you let him be. But he's one of the most humble people I ever met, for sure. I, t- Tim, you're definitely an interesting guy. They broke the mold, that's for sure.
3: I good or bad, indifferent. I good. Guess. Good. Great. It's no, good. no,
1: I no. Great. Good. Good. Listen. Listen, when we talk about the best of the best, and we do on this show all the time, and I like to think that I've brought the best of the best into this. There's still a few on my hit list that I still need to get in here. Right. But I think we've got a lot of quality people that come on this show. Right. For sure. And Tim, you're you're above and beyond on that list. We've been doing it for a minute. Yeah. A you know, little, bit, I mean, little bit. And I we were talking about that. Right. So I want to retell what I said at the bar, too, for the sake of the show. First time we ever met, I was in high school right, way back when, because, you know, friends with your sister and we all went to high school together. And I look up on the wall and you correct me. It's blue fin tuna tail. It's this huge ass. Was it 800 pounds? 840. Right. Something. Right. And I was like, oh my God. I looked up at it. Right. <laughs> and Danielle comes over. He goes, yeah, my brother <clears throat> caught that. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, who caught that? She's like, my brother caught that. And then you walked in the room. That was the first time I ever met Tim Maddock. So, yeah. So first impressions are everything.
3: Right. I just so, had that tail redone at gray. Yeah. When we had that big yellow fin that we caught last year. Yeah. And we had that mounted and it had the tail redone and it mm-hmm. just bringing back the memories of, you know, I was like 16 years old when, yeah, 17 years old when I was up, you know, when I was up there doing that.
1: Yeah. Didn't you have like this picture of you holding up this big curly hair or whatever? Yeah. yeah it looked like Timmy then. Yeah. I want to take a time out here real quick and introduce our returning bartender, <laughs> Miss Carlene Robinski.
4: Gentlemen. How are you? Fantastic.
1: Thanks for coming back.
4: Absolutely. We
1: didn't run you off last time. Nope. You're going to talk more today.
4: A little scared today. <laughs> in the room. So, <laughs>
1: Carlene's highlights include dying mustaches, right? And she did that last time, but there's no mustaches to be dyed today. So, just frustration. You got one. And what about back waxing? Do you do that? I actually have done that. <laughs> um, when you came in last time, you came in, you told a story, right? And it was obviously the most compelling of stories. And actually, I think there was like the biggest, most, that was probably the most popular episode that we that we have had, mm. right? And because everyone for weeks and weeks was, oh, my God, that story, that tiny story. Oh, the, that was insane. That was crazy. Was, like people that, you know, don't normally watch my show that I told, oh, you got to watch this episode. They come back, oh, that was great. That was great, right? So, but you're coming on today not to tell a story. You're coming on with your pal. Like to talk about the old days, old days. And, you know, you know, I'm not going to let him get
2: away with this, but he has a pretty amazing story of survival, too, which I Mm -hmm. hope you got. He touches on in this conversation, because it's a it's a story when I heard um, what had happened to him. I wasn't shocked that he survived it. And uh, because he's just that dude, you know, he's that guy that hardcore old school, tough, tough, dude. Mm -hmm. I got a couple stories of toughness to tell (laughs) about him. Like I met I met Timmy on the Florida Fish Finder, which was a headboat um that fish to drive Tortugas. Mm-hmm. So I was young, I'd was 17 years old and uh just started my career, just started like moved from the Helen S and the Fish City Pride to the fish finder. Kind of decided I wasn't going to college and uh we did this trip. It was like a it was like a no it was like a, it was like, a, like a mutton trip. It was on the moon, everything was planned out carefully like all the regulars came. Uh, Timmy wasn't a regular at the
3: time, but he showed up with... First time ever. First wife. time
2: ever on a boat. And he showed up with Cliff and I think Mike research and a couple of other people. Yeah. A couple of the Pompano gangsters, you know, sailfish gangsters.
1: Yeah. Well, Mike's and, not... Mike's kind of pretty, right? He, yeah, he, a call him gangster?
3: No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. He's a
1: real deal. He's good. There was a bunch of them that showed up <laughs> we with We showed it. It was up, probably, yeah. was a pile of us. I
2: mean, they showed up with, like, more coolers. than I've I'd. I'd been working on the boat for a while. They showed up with more coolers, all custom rods. I mean, ice bait, like... These guys were, like, going at it, right? Like, they were ready. Like, I'm like, whoa, look at this. Look at this bunch of dudes. I mean, full on. And uh, how old were you at the time? I was 17. 17. So, yeah, I'm 40. I'll be 49 this year. So, it was a long so, time yeah. ago that we met. And, uh, I was 18
3: uh, or 19.
2: Yeah, he shows up. He's got, like, this custom etched window with, like, Marlin and Sailfish in his truck. And, like, I mean. <laughs> Chris Reesert. Yeah, these guys were, like, <laughs> hardcore, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, this 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 is a cool-looking gang, right? so i started kind of paying attention to these guys because they're just crushing fish i mean three days non-stop i think i think his group caught just as much as everybody else on the boat not counting the crew and they're up and about just destroying right and having a blast too nobody was <clears throat> drinking nobody was doing anything other than just hardcore i mean they fished round the clock and uh you know i started talking to timmy and cliffy and he was like yeah man you know i've fished offshore and i've trolled the kite fish a lot and, you know I've caught bluefins I'm like man it's really the first person that had that kind of experience and from I knew custom rods I knew what good looking fit you know what good fishermen look like and I'm like you know I was just picking his brain for like three days and I think on that Monday we we exchanged phone numbers and that Monday I was home I drove back in QS I was living in Fort Lauderdale all the time and Timmy Timmy called me up and he's like hey man you think uh you think i get a job on that boat I'm like dude we're always looking for good crew and keep in mind at the crew there's some good crew that worked on that boat like mario Fortier and don johns and a couple other matt bear, matt bear and, and uh, george beck a lot of really pretty well-known fishermen today worked on that boat anton a bunch of those guys and uh so i'm like yeah timmy come with me man i'd love to work with you you know so we went down to davie and i introduced him to the owner of the boat and pretty much hired him on the spot and timmy and i worked together i don't know For probably a year, like a year on this boat. And I mean, we changed the dynamic on that boat totally because we went from running with four mates to like just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was just like picking his brain about offshore. Cause I just really wanted to get in the game, you know? And, uh, man, he was not easy to work with. He was, he was like such a perfectionist. Like when it came to his knots, when it came to, like sharpening hooks we never sharpened hooks we tied rigs for the customers (laughs) he's out there with his file sharpening hooks no dude he's like you don't understand like you take care of the customers you, you get the tackle right they're going to catch more fish they're going to give you more tips just simple simple economics right i'm like man this guy's really on it you know so uh unfortunately that came to an end and i remember the day it did he was uh he was like he he had so much energy back then. He'd just be running around the deck, gaffing fish, and both as it picked up my energy. So I was like, man, I got to keep up with this guy. So we're both trying to outdo each other on tips and on customers and catching fish, and we're sleeping like two hours <laughs> fishing four and working twelve, you know. And that was like round the clock. And Timmy was running like this dude had this big kingfish on up on the bow, and Timmy was running with the gaff, man. And we had these metal benches. And, man, he caught the corner of the bench. I think it was with his left mm-hmm. kneecap. Was your right right there. kneecap? Caught it with his kneecap, man. Done. Really? And dude, yeah. On like almost two pieces. Like, his knee. <clears> I'm not <throat> kidding. It was the size of his table. And if I remember right, he still worked a couple shifts until it just blew up too much to where they were like, no. Nah. No, nah, dude. I, I mean, I mean, he. It I knew bad. how tough he was after yeah. that yeah, year. Because, was... I mean, we'd chopped fingers off. We'd done a bunch of crazy things. Yeah. And, and uh. I knew how tough he was at that point and i knew dude he was in tears like like i'm like man this is serious like i'm like almost to the point like should we like airlift him out because it was just they
3: blowing tried. up his really? name was that coast big. guard wouldn't fly to the fort it was blowing too hard yeah. they were going to fly right. a helicopter f- um fort jefferson
1: that bad but yeah, yeah, it was, but that it was too rough
3: and we wow. were on a three-day trip and that was after the second day we had to leave early yeah. You know, I had to get, that. I mean, right. You know, it was, the,
2: the thing was, I remember, yeah, it was, you don't want to mess with yeah, that. It, was though, crazy. I mean, yeah. See, it wasn't just swollen. It turned black. And I remember right, like, that's what I mean. Like, like, like that, blood could, that could get bad. It yeah. was like, we were concerned about blood poisoning. Cause he mm-hmm. was that black. I mean, it shattered his knee. Does that thing bug you from that? Does that ever bother God, you? They're you?
3: both messed up. That's yeah. what happens when you get old. So yeah. Walk it off. <laughs> that's walk I don't it know off. If, if it's from that, but yeah, it's, it's, they, you know whatever but. so
1: i want to rewind a little bit right i know we were talking about when you were 18 but i want to go back a little bit further than that right i want to get like a little bit underneath like you so you're born and bred a beach no nope. no where new are you york. from are you from new york yeah. And when did you start fishing up there and then come down here? Like, take me to the genesis of this thing.
3: So... I want to kind of understand the beast a little bit. My dad had a little boat up there, a little 18-foot Thunderbird Mm -hmm. tri-hull. Same as my grandfather. They had the same boats. And, you know, every weekend, that's what you do. We'd, you know, take the boat out, go to the beach, go clamming, go bass fishing, go bluefish fishing, fluke fishing. And, um, you know, we did that since... You know, we got slides when we were that big, you know, mm-hmm. catching snapper blues off the dock and porties and all the stuff that you do in New York. You know, never really much offshore. You know, the boat right. was not made for that. I right. mean it was you know plus you gotta go so far out. Yeah. So out it was there. all all inshore stuff, but we just and you know, again, just like here, whether you're bass fishing or goggle eye fishing, if they're biting, who cares? It's fun, mm-hmm. right? You know, you're doing what you love yeah. to do. So every weekend that's just what we did, you know, we we were on the water. So when we moved down here, my dad bought his first boat. And of course, you know, it's a different world. You know, you're, you're, you're not really doing an inshore thing here. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to learn, you know, learn to figure out the ocean. And, um, we did that for, he bought his first boat. uh, I don't know how many years he had it for, maybe five or six years he had a 23 foot formula mm-hmm. and then he bought a 25 mako in 83 1983 so when did you
1: really start feeling it like like because i mean the, the the passion and the drive for it and all the, you know what i mean like so, be, i'm sure you like as a kid you know you fish you have fun and we've all been there i mean you know pure rats, you know what i mean and, and stuff like that and then but then there's a certain point where like that light that switch goes it off, cliffs. you know what I mean? And you're like, all right, I'm serious about this.
3: So people, I mean, I'm often asked, you know, who taught you the most in fishing or, you know, who do you look up to the most mm-hmm. or, you know, where, where did you get it from? where did you get the, the go? And it's funny because I look at pictures fishing with my dad and we'd be fishing like a, you know, a billfish tournament with, one kite out with two baits on it mm-hmm. and like two rods out the other side, number seven wire J hooks, this big, <laughs> you know, 80 pound mono, yep. you know, um, had no business being there. All that know.
1: Andy monofilament. Well, uh, it just
3: had no business being yeah. in a tournament, you know, the Fergus. So, so now you go back, the Fergusons, do you know who they, mm-hmm. Barbara Ferguson and Don, right. So, there was three or four boats back then that were doing a live chum in fishing pilchards, which no one even yeah. knew nothing about offshore. Um, so again, being on my dad's boat, but being way too young, you know, you never went out and got 10 sailfish bites in a day, right? But they would catch three or four or five. The, and it was a lot of the tournaments were kill tournaments. So, you know, holy crap, they got five sailfish on the dock. Like that was like, for me, man, I just can't wait to catch one, you know, my mm-hmm. first one, I want to catch my first one. And, um, so I, I think even at a young age, it was, it was there, it was there, the, you know, it was, it was inside of me. And then when my dad died, you know, his boat went away and, and, you know, that was that in 1987. That's when I went up North, mm-hmm. we b- buried my dad up in, in New York. And then I ended up fishing up there that season. Um, and I, and I said, I'm going to fish with everybody I can b- until I get my own boat and, and just learn and just learn and just learn. Um, you know, cause everybody's got their little, you know, everybody's got something to offer to this day. Every time I go fishing with somebody, I go, oh, I'm going to try that next time. Right. I'm even going to do it better. Cause I'm going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you gotta always be learning. Yeah. And, um, I ended up, I got a few jobs up there and from bad luck, this happened on that boat and this happened on that boat, but I ended up fishing with wink doorsbacker who I don't say he taught me the most, right I guess my dad taught me the fundamentals growing up and how to tie a knot and and all that stuff one thousand percent the the go 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 one hundred percent I attribute to him mm-hmm. to this day like, and and we left on kind of bad blood because like i couldn't take it anymore and i couldn't work you know for the guy but i fished the whole season up there with him we came back to palm beach and then and then i was done but until you learn that and and understand why you can't do this you can't do this don't do that because whether you're sail fishing whether you're bluefin tuna fishing whether you're world record fishing whether you're black marlin fishing on the reef one little thing you didn't do right and it cost your world record or it caused you not to pull or it caused your line to break or whatever it is. So, um, you know, I fished with a lot of different people mm-hmm. and in, uh, in 1992, I bought my first boat. Nice. I bought my 25 Mako. Nice. And, um,
1: and I mean, I'm sure. Your brother Cliff had to be a big influence throughout the whole because you guys grew up fishing together too, didn't? Yeah, you? he
3: he actually bought a twenty-one foot Mako mm-hmm. about a year I think before I bought. That's where him and I started. He bought a twenty-one, I bought a twenty-five, he bought a twenty-six. Right, I, I remember the day <laughs> He bought a thirty-three. It's funny, I got the loan that first year. I, I remember I'm the in day in Federal. I didn't even have a job. Yep. I remember the day you <laughs> I got, got the loan. Job.
1: Yep. I was like, Oh my god, that's funny. I remember I that to,
3: day. I went to the bank because we knew the girl there, and um yeah. I was I like, we're, man, we're, I could I could sell enough fish to pay for. It was a, like a three hundred dollar boat payment, yeah. you know, for a twenty five make what a single motor, you know. What's that? What's that when you when you you're past the
1: time frame where you can't like like. like- Keys, Statue, limitations? Statue, Statue limitations. limitations. No. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah. he was like yeah. 22. <laughs> he's 22 years old. Yeah.
2: Buying a 25 Mako, which was I remember you called me the day like I got the loan, I got the boat. I'm like, what are you going to name it? And you're like, I'm going to name it after my dad's boat. And that's when yeah. the vitamin C too. And then no, I was like,
1: that's where the two comes from.
3: Well, so my dad's boat up in New York was vitamin C. Mm-hmm. When we came down here, his boat, his first boat he bought here was vitamin C Roman numeral two. Mm-hmm. Then his Mako was. Roman numeral three when he passed away. Mm-hmm. So then Cliffy was the first one to buy a boat out of him and I. So he started with vitamin C, you know, kind of started over again, just vitamin C. Okay. So when I got my boat, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to beat this Roman numeral thing up. And I just went vitamin Yeah, O. Okay. All right, cool. That's cool. That, yeah, so yeah, that's good. That's where that all that. started. But, and then, and then, and you know, we've had, I mean, you know, the stories and tournaments. And so this is where this is the thing. So this is the humble thing
1: that's coming out right now because Tim, you're a legend. Okay. So, and, and I'm, I'm glad you gave us that little backstory um, of, you know, your whole start to all this, like that, because and I don't ask everybody that, right? Like, the, most of the time, I'm just like, Hey, what's up? You know what I mean? We're good, doing, good. how'd you do in that tournament? How'd you do in that tournament, right? But you know, you're a guy that I want the audience to really understand, you know, who, who's sitting in front of us, like from the beginning cradle to grave, here, you know what I mean? Because I, 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 th- you are part of the group of guys that have brought pompano to the level of where i always say that the best fishermen come from pompano because no matter where you go wherever you are in the world you're going to find someone from pompano there right. like whether you los sueños tournaments or you know then panama right. or you know all over the place no, we'll we touched shows. on
3: that at the cove that night or yeah. at some point we did and another one who's a legend down here casey hunt yeah a thousand percent <clears throat> right we all fished percent. together it was all yep you know and um and then I'll never and forget shitty. it. His, his dad used to tell us all the time, if you can make it here, competitive fishing or charter fishing, you can do it anywhere on the planet. Yeah, yeah. I just Stanley. fish with him in and Key West. We, West. And when we went to yeah. Venezuela and these guys are fishing 80-pound and 100-pound leaders, oh, you might hook a blue marlin. We're not blue marlin fishing. We're sail fishing mm-hmm. and white marlin fishing. And you're allowed to use a 30-foot leader so you can catch a 300-pound blue marlin with a 30-foot leader. I don't care what, you know. And we went to 50 pound fluorocarbon down there, they thought we were out of our minds. You know, no snap levels, just a you know, ball, you know, you and you know, you start winning and and redefining the rules there, you mm-hmm. know. Um so yeah, I mean that well, was well
1: that's that's what I mean. It's like when I bring it up, you know what I mean, and, and I say that, like, you know, your face comes into my head when I say that statement. You know what I mean? And and a few other faces, like the Hunt families yeah, yeah. and 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 the guys like that, and Artie and, and yeah, yeah. Skip and all those guys, you know what I mean? Like it's like that's like this whole like cloud of faces that i see when i say that you know what i mean And you're definitely right on the top of that cloud so i mean you're a legend you're a living legend um and you're an innovator and um and i want to make that clear to the audience listening and you know, so I, that's really why i wanted to get that backstory um so an interesting thing is that then you launch into doing tournaments right but I want to bring up one question because I was talking to Mike Lamb about this recently and, you know, he comes from Virginia originally Mm -hmm. and and the whole thing. So he's got this mid-Atlantic experience and he's explaining to me about how those guys really don't like kite fishermen. So you are heavy marlin fishermen, like throughout all the islands and everything like that. Can you give me a little insight on that and what's your take on it? Yeah,
2: you mean as far as kite fishing goes? No, or?
1: just opinion, the opinion about it. Like yeah, a I mean, the kite, kite fishing <laughs> is such, a,
2: it's such an art, you know? Like, I, I mean, sorry, I, I've kite fished a lot. I, I'm not on the level of these guys, you know, or mm-hmm. the South Florida, you know, art saps or those guys, but I've learned from those guys. Like, I, I mean, the first person I ever knew who really knew how to kite fish was him. And, uh, you know, like preparation was everything. That's what I learned from him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I went to his house one day and I saw like a thousand salmon hook rigs hanging in his in his room he had a string of mono and i'm like man that's a lot of rigs it's like yeah it's like half a season you know so pretty you know mm-hmm. preparation meets opportunity type thing right but yeah but kite fishing i mean you know obviously it started with in catalina island you know and then bob lewis brought it here and then these guys of uh, you know south florida charter fishermen kind of adopted it from him because he was crushing it everybody you know Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the terminal tackle rigging, this is again why he was such a pioneer in it. Like he came up with things that nobody else is doing. I think he's probably the first person I ever saw with popping corks, like fishing popping corks. I mean, stuff going back that fundamental that you take for granted today. But like instead of streamers versus popping corks, mm-hmm. you know, or kingfish were eating everybody off, he was catching all his fish because corks were staying up on top, and you know, just like the salmon hook. The salmon hook has been around for a long time, but going to like the stainless ones and then you know he definitely uh changed the game i mean mm-hmm. he not only that but when it came to boats you know the the, the kite fishing thing and i'm not even sure he realizes this but i worked on the big boats back Thank in you. the 90s fishing like the fort lauderdale billfish tournament i am thinking of thanks mm-hmm. the fort lauderdale billfish tournament um kite fishing with larry Withall, and i had to fish against him and cliffy mm-hmm. and what we realized was where all the big boats had flown kites in the eighties and nineties. Like Timmy and Cliffy were doing it on center consoles and just whipping everybody's ass to a point where the big boats got to a point where they thought they couldn't compete with him or Cliffy or who else frickin was in frack. Bra- yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, Casey. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. a big yeah. thing. Those guys the- were dominating it in the nineties, like mm-hmm. dominating the tournament to where they were putting observers on the boat. And here's a great story. <laughs> he got he had just gotten his comp 27 right mm-hmm. and like it was the sickest boat like it was gunboat gray before any other boat was gunboat gray i'm like man that's a killer color you couldn't see it it was invisible like in any haze you didn't know where he was you know and uh i remember skip smith putting like 60 year old observer on his boat i don't remember what year this was but sometime in the mid 90s or somewhere around the right, early 90s and uh, he puts this this old man on the boat, and Timmy goes to him. He's like, dude, you're making me late. This guy, there's no way this guy is going to survive the run I'm about to make. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you got to have observers. Because he had won like three or four in a row. And uh, he's like, that's what I got. You're going with it. And I remember you warned it, like, Timmy warned, warned. What circuit is this? This was the Fort Lauderdale Billfish Tournament. Okay. I want to say. When the guy broke his leg? Yeah. Like,
3: that was Miami. Was it Miami? Yeah. But you came into Fort Lauderdale. I'm trying to. That was a different know. one. That was a. That was a tournament. Yeah.
2: I'm, I don't remember the details. They took his observer off the boat on a stretcher. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. there for that. Like, ambulance waiting. Like, that's
3: how hard. And that was in the inlet. That was like, we never even <laughs> made it in the ocean. It, 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 for the fact that it was, it was really rough in the ocean. Right. And when the Bimini started, you know, 1098, everybody takes off. I turned around and went in the cut, and I was going to run the bay down south. Mm-hmm. You know, where it was calm. And it was a freighter coming out the inlet. And I, you know, I had a T-top on the boat then, and I hit, you know, the, fr- the freighter wake, landed nice and soft, you know, couldn't have been any more perfect. Right. But this guy was, you know, holding on for dear life. He hit his head on the T-top and fell down, and his leg folded over in three different directions. No. <laughs> really? Three minutes after he, I was unloading him on the floating dock at Miami Beach Marina. <laughs> I'm like, what do you guys want me to do now? They're like, go fishing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he he had to. fishing, but yeah hardcore
1: man yeah yeah for sure that 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 could ran hard all
3: of that being said right so you say you look you know like where did it start how did it start so when i met tiny in the keys his lifelong dream was i want to be i want to i want to meet on a charter boat you know i want to go catch a sailfish in hillsborough i I, like i i I hear him talking about it in his little blue azuzu when we're riding down to the keys to go fishing and uh or slug fishing or whatever we were, you know, and, and, and just doing our, our stuff. And, and then when I quit working on the boat, we kind of lost contact a little bit mm-hmm. and then there was no more tiny, like, you know, like a long time had gone by maybe right. years and, you know, no contact, don't know where he went, don't really know what he's doing. And then somehow he came back and we started talking again and, You know, I worked on this boat. We're pitch beating five hundred pound blue marlin, and we caught this world record. You know, like he left and came back a master, and I'm going, holy shit, this guy! You know how you know, like he wanted to do what I'm doing, and now I want to do what he's. You know what I mean? So it's like it's you know, it's it's a it's just. And he worked with some good people, and he had the dire passion for it, which is where it all starts. Right? You know, you say when did the fire start? When did it? You know, that's it. It's you got to want to be the best at it. I don't care what you're doing, you know, if you're not, if you you don't want to be that guy, if you don't want to win every tournament, if you don't want to catch every world record, if you don't want to catch a bigger fish than you know, then that's cool. But you're never going to, you're never, you're never going to be, you know, you're never going to be at the top, you know, if you don't have that dire passion to do it. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, we, we met here, I was kind of already doing this, even though I look at pictures. Now I started to say that earlier, like I would look at pictures with my dad's boat, and go. God, how did we ever catch a fish? We didn't have bait wells. They didn't have bait wells. They made you had a bait well this big on the Mako, you could put like three dozen baits in there, mm-hmm. and then you would fill the fish boxes up with water and throw mm-hmm. some bait in there, and they're sloshing, you know, four foot long <laughs> fish is boxes. True. Back like, then, you just th- made th- do. There was, there was you no did whatever you did do. Styrofoam
1: no, coolers or whatever that, it was, it didn't it matter. Was, it was yeah. uh,
3: And then when I bought my boat from Real Music, Kevin McDaniel's, mm-hmm. and he had a fifty gallon plumbed on the deck. And he would 300 pilchards every morning. you get up and go catch them, throw your four or five dozen goggle eyes in with your pilchards. Mm -hmm. But that was like the beginning of it for me. When I bought my boat from Kevin, who had won the Pompano Rodeo a bunch of times, and like back then you didn't catch tunas. But this guy caught him every time I went fishing. Mm -hmm. Like to catch a blackfin tuna in the early 90s was, it was a big thing. Not like, oh, if we don't catch four, if we don't weigh four in the tournament, you don't stand a chance. Like Mm -hmm. it was not like that whether they weren't here or whether it, it it's not cause of live chumming cause you're not allowed to do that anymore. Uh-huh. Right. So, and there's more caught now than ever. Maybe it's the tackle technique, whatever it might be. But back then, if you waited in one or two tuners, you were God, you know? So. I think a lot of that talks to, too, about,
1: you know, what you said earlier about, you know, every time you go out, you're still learning, but it's almost like now the secrets are all out there. You know what I mean? And everyone's kind of just racing against the same Methods and techniques, you know, and then who's going to land on it? Now, there's also your separator guys, right? The guys that are on your level that are going to always know. Yeah, I taught you everything I know, but I didn't tell you or everything right. you know, right. but I didn't tell, teach you everything that I know. Right? You know that kind of theory.
3: Yeah, but there's a lot of that. We were bait fishing yesterday on my brother's boat in Jupiter sardine fishing, and my son was on Nate's boat. Mm-hmm. We we're sardine fishing side by side, and they kicked our asses. Yeah, well, you and my buddies on my boat, John Hubert, and he's going. Is this when the teacher or the master? I got it
1: on on record from when he came on. So So, you know, know, there's a claim
3: that was made there. There, there is a um, and I and I you mentioned it earlier with putting a price on your time and Mm -hmm. shutting down on the weekends and your at your situation and my situation and right. So everybody's got their story and um, I remember my dad's friends when we started fishing the way we were and you didn't have nobody owned a bait pen. Mm -hmm. You didn't know, there was no such thing as a container. Right. Like that, that was my buddy worked at Fort Lauderdale. We were like, Oh my God, we could put these things in the canal and, and drill holes in them and put bait in them and we won't have to sit at the buoy All you know, like that didn't exist. So all the little things like you say that you take for granted now Mm -hmm. that everybody's got it, you know, um, but I remember my dad's friends who were all phenomenal fishermen back in the day going, you know, and if I had to, I would say they were probably 50, 55 years old and you know, we're, we're growing up Mm -hmm. and I'm like, why don't you guys fish anymore? You know, you were the people that we looked up to back then. And and they were like, that's why, because you got 12 containers in the water with 3000 baits penned up and we know we don't stand a chance. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, We can't do it anymore. Um, and, and now I see that happening you know, I took up hunting, you mm-hmm. know, that's a whole nother passion that's, you know, in, um, and, in, and, you know, tiny said it, you got to put a, you know, you, you got to have a price on your time, right. And the tournament thing for me anymore, like the sailfish tournaments, it's awesome, you know. when I see already win three in a row, does it get me like, Oh, I want to be back. You know what I mean? Of course it does. I still, that was a hell of a season. Every time I get a sailfish bite, I get excited. You know, Mm -hmm. last year we caught 65 in one day, the most we've ever caught. I mean, like it's, I can't wait. I hope they start tailing down there, you know, this month. Yep. Um, But it's like, so let other people pause
1: for a second, pause for a second. Cause (laughs) I want to bring that up. Okay. Because the first time you did it, you did what? 50. In two thousand nine, right in two thousand nine, and that's the state record. Was right was the state record. Then that got broken, and then you went down and broke it again.
3: Uh, Several other people broke it in between all that. So I caught fifty the next year. Jimmy Lambert caught fifty eight with Fly and Joe, and then uh, main attraction um, the Silent Hunter guys, a bunch Mm -hmm. of keys guys Mm -hmm. in the last few years. They caught like 60, 65, 67, 70. Okay. So it, it, you know, they, those guys wrapped it up for, for, for a while.
1: So, so do you think there's another
3: run in there for you? Um, I hope so. I mean, it was epic, you know, just watch, you know, when it's like that, I mean, the blue fins are coming through, there's yellow fins coming through, there's great white sharks swimming around there's swordfish, there's blue marlin, there's sail. I mean, it's the ocean is just alive. So to get the opportunity especially driving the boat from up top mm-hmm. to be able to cast to a hundred sailfish in a day. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, and throw in a couple tunas. It's just special. You so, know? and Alan was on the boat with you. He was on the, boat. on the 65, right? Was he on the boat with 65? I
1: think yeah. I think, well, I'm pretty sure it was the 65. So just, yeah, he just to the, bring that around, the guy that you dyed the mustache yeah. last the, week was the, on the first boat day
3: that we went down there. We, we did two trips mm-hmm. so the, the 65 was the second weekend or whatever we went down there the first week we were there um you know to me what the we learned the day that we caught 50 mm-hmm. back in 2009 when you're sight casting you don't want to hook four or five fish mm-hmm. it's you could catch one or two of them way quicker they're not going anywhere right. right so okay you got a visual let's catch these two real quick then we can go cast to those So kind of two at the most Mm -hmm. unless, okay, here comes five. Everybody just goof off for a minute. You know, it's just, your releases are five seconds, two seconds, Mm -hmm. eight seconds, 10 seconds. I mean, it's, it takes you longer to tie a hook than it does to get another fish on. Right. Um, And we learned that not by mistake, but the day we caught 50, we were like, okay, no more. Well, we were only down to three spinners anyway, so we couldn't cast any more than that. We broke one and we only had three spinners left, but Alan on that, First day that we fished, we caught 32, I think. Mm -hmm. And the kid's a ninja. Yeah. I was running the boat. I'd get my eyes on him. He'd hook a bait, run at the bout, jump up on the cap, look at me to get the visual on the fish. And I'd be pointing, pointing, pointing. Okay, I got him. Don't cash yet. Wait till I tell you. He, he caught 28 out of the 32 fish. Wow. I never caught 28 sailfish in a day. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, that's stellar for the kid. Right. So, right. Um, I like Alan a lot. He's awesome. He's a good he's kid, awesome. man. It, it was special to go down there and do that. And, and just to see, you know, see that many fish and, and be able to do it, you know, mm-hmm. you know, there was a boat caught 76 the day we caught 65. Really Scott Martin did that bass guy. Wow, Roland Martin's son. Yeah, yeah. He's really. got a 42 Freeman. They caught 76 that day. Wow. So is
1: that the holding record right now? Yeah,
3: yep yeah. And he was That's pretty he amazing. Was, that he was, is amazing. He was, he was like 20. When we were at like 30, he was at like 55 for the day. I'm going. There's no way we're getting to 40. I went two one hour periods without catching one. For whatever reason, just really bad luck couldn't get a bait on, uh, yeah. missed a couple. I went 2 one hour periods without catching one. And everybody was kind of resetting and kind mm-hmm. of driving through the same area. At the end of the day, it was just him and I kind of, let's just right. keep going with it. And it was, I was talking to Timmy on the phone. I'm like, Oh shit, I gotta go. I gotta go. There's a, I never hung up the phone. I put my phone in my pocket. I thought I hung up on him and we caught, uh, eight fish in 12 minutes mm-hmm. something like that. And he was listening to the whole thing. He never hung up the phone. Oh, really? Yeah. He was <laughs> cool. listening to it. In my oh my God. That's funny. But we were, we were neck and neck with, and they ended up, so we ended up with 65. We, right. we, we were catching them. We ran out of daylight. Wow. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's special to go. I mean, that was, you know, it's, To see that many fish and dude, that's awesome. It's it's awesome.
1: Do you think it's? I mean, you think it's strange to catch that many fish in one day?
3: So, (laughs) here's the thing: it took till 2009, right, right, for anybody to catch 50, right? It's the first time ever done in the United States. You know, in in Florida, obviously, you don't catch sailfish, right? You know, so why? why hundreds of years mm-hmm. before somebody does it yeah yeah this is changing and that's changing and you know we're doing different things and i think like any other sport the level of you know the, the the caliber of the angler or the the baseball guy or the basketball you know it's just getting better and bigger and harder um and i think it's the same thing with fishing you know the, no, the, the, yeah. the level of the you know of the anglers and captains right now. So you know what else is strange? What's that? Our
1: strange questions that we have. <laughs> oh, our Papas Pilar our strange <laughs> he questions. He said the word. That was, my, that was my segue into our strange questions. Sponsored by Papas Pilar Rum, who remind you never to be a spectator. So what we have every episode are these strange questions that people who you may or may not know will write me and ask a question for me to ask you guys on the air here and um we'll have to pick a winner for a free t-shirt so it's that's all the glory they get if, if their question gets chosen so since we have Carleen in here today i would like for Carleen to read the questions if you will the country yeah um,
4: what's going on baby
1: so if you don't mind would, would that be good yeah all right
4: just like me to tell you who it's from
1: yeah, you can say this question comes from whoever. And and by the way, sorry about the phone ringing, so I forgot to turn it down. That's okay. So, so good. That was also strange.
4: From from Mr. Jim Rubeck, for Tiny, what is the weirdest thing you've pulled alongside a pier or a bridge so you can feed kudas a three-eyed shrimp?
3: <laughs> oh, oh man. I know I got that oh, answer. I got it.
2: <laughs> man, we never nobody <laughs> socks. White bags. Two towels. Two socks. socks. Let me tell you, man, in
3: summertime, that was... That's so funny. that we oh
2: decimated the barracuda population around Anglin's Pier. That's you yeah, you would it.
3: drag a shirt, and when all the cudas <laughs> start following, you would mm-hmm. have two guys with snag hooks S- snagging them. Really, you got.
2: But wait, you got to explain to it more like this. These things would never. Rarely would you use lose a sock. I've seen maybe two socks lost the whole time or right. a rag. You drag the old fish rags that had all the blood and guts all over. them. You didn't need the set. Anything light colored, right? You would drag it down the side of the pier, and one guy would have it on their rod, and there would be ten guys behind them snagging kudas because yeah. the kudas come up in out of curiosity and yeah. just they're looking at it they don't know if it's another kuda or something mm-hmm. they can eat yeah that was uh you ever
1: use those old tube lures
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. they never worked much back yeah. then i, I mean
1: I, I when we used to go down to marathon every every summer we had this place that we would go down and I just spend like, like two weeks They sold different they sold it down America. there yeah. yeah we used yeah. to buy them at captain hooks at Laka cut right yeah. and we used to just those things worked like a charm and then we we take them out to sombrero light we, if we'd see a cuda there and just want to hook up with them they, they'd hit them like candy oh yeah yeah, yeah. The, 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 they work good in the keys we would
3: only pull the rags out when you got to remember like in all the different stalls under the pier you'd have all the cudas just lined up yeah and you're, i mean you're fishing them all day long trying to get yeah. a bite out of them with every live beat you yeah. got sometimes it will just yeah.
1: stare at you like and eventually, yeah. you know, it you gave you that look, you know, like look. back that.
3: then, like, oh my God, you caught a 30 pound coot off the pier. You were king, you yeah. know? Yeah. You couldn't get a bite. You couldn't get a bite. You couldn't, you know, all right, there's no one around here because you weren't allowed to use snack hooks on the pier. Mm-hmm. So let's drag the rag. No one's looking, you know? Like,
5: <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: good. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you other things we snagged off that pier. We're not going to say that on camera because <laughs> there is no statue of limitations on that. But I mean, I can tell you this. Yeah. Moving on
4: to Tim. No, go ahead. Sorry. I I, I just want to say this. I
2: watched a banner plane almost go down one time off of Anglin's Pier with a guy named Stephen Rains on a shark rod. Almost crashed one of the old banner planes because he had actually snagged it with a kite on his shark rod. Come on. Not kidding you. There's people who can attest to this. They were on Anglin's Pier that day. Literally almost stalled out at one of the old Wankel banner planes. No. Literally like it was in trouble. He had snagged a banner and it was... How do those things trouble. even stay up
1: in the air, I'll never know. They're going yeah. like two miles like an two hour. Like two miles an hour. Yeah. Know. yeah.
2: But yeah.
4: Tim from Jim too. what do you do when you have a bunch of venison, some old fence panels, and a spool wahoo wahoo leader cable?
3: Oh God! Start a bonfire in the backyard, and when we we're playing cornhole, we got a big fire in between the boards, and we were trying to cook venison one night, so I had a spooled cable. Mm-hmm. for wahoo lures i'm like watch this we've been drinking, we've been drinking so we're <laughs> not really thinking correctly <laughs> like all the good things <laughs> happen sure. after watch this you know? <laughs> so i this is after i took my outrigger my pvc outrigger holders and i put cable across them to try and right do it like they used to do it in the woods well both of the outrigger things melted the five gallon buckets melted and th- that went bye-bye but we still had the stake on the cable so i'm like oh we'll just stretch out further so you stood over there. We stood over here and just kind of swung them around, swung them around, slid them <laughs> off the cable. and Really? Oh, it was awesome. It's awesome. It's <laughs> innovator. I'm telling you, innovator. The innovator, <laughs> man. Hey, yeah. so uh, I gotta,
1: what, do you, what do you love, hunting or fishing or more?
3: It's not like that. I love them not both. Not
1: like that. Yeah. No. It's, it's, uh, if you had to choose one.
4: It's a different breed.
1: Where's I, your head at with that? Yeah. I don't know. I can't answer that. Your son showed us a video mm-hmm. of his leg.
3: Oh, shake From the deer? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, how many inches is the deer? How many pounds is the marlin, right? Yeah. So, a lot of people, I got customers all over from the Midwest talking about deer and they want to come gator hunting. So, they're like, you know, I sent them a picture of 11-foot gator. They're like, is that like a 140-inch deer or is that like a 190-inch deer? They don't know. Right. Right? So... I do the same thing with, you know, like a deer compared to Timmy Swordfish, mm-hmm. you know. That's like, a
1: beast. We'll get to that in a minute. So
3: man. it's like how many days, how many rods, how many baits have hit the bottom in South Florida, mm-hmm. how many buoys are out every night, and it's the biggest one ever killed. Right. right? So how do you compare that to a deer, you know? Right how many 150 inch and 160 inch deer are killed every year in the Midwest? You know, how many one nineties now you're getting into a different world. You get to 200 inch deer. It's, you know, yeah. Free range, you know, not a high fence deal, right? It it, it could never happen, but how many people are ever going to get a shot at a 700 pound swordfish? You you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, so to me and I were talking about it and I'm like, so that we, you know, we lost a big one when he was little. Right. Yeah, he said, smoke the one that they killed. And and Scott also saw it getting weighed, who was on the boat. And he's like, man, that fish that we lost was way over a thousand pounds. Really? And I never called it a thousand. And I've seen several thousand pound fish weighed black Marlin, blue Marlin, right. You know, where, you know, a lot of people don't get to see those fish. So when they say I lost a 500 pound swordfish, you've never seen a 500 pound fish. So like it could have been 300 pounds if you mm-hmm. lost them 30 feet down you know what i mean like i've seen a lot of you know big fish weighed and when we lost it was in 2008 when i lost that fish in october and um had a harpoon in it saw the fish for 40 minutes and whatever pulled the hook out of it pulled the dart out of it pulled the hook on him and, and he died i mean the thing was dumping blood out of his gills from the harpoon but um some you know timmy's like to kill the swordfish that they did or to catch the one that we yeah. lost that day with you know and i only bow hunt right, right? so i don't like kill one deer with a gun and it just doesn't do it for me so how big of a deer would it have to be to you know versus that swordfish i, I don't know it's no, i it, think i think that answers the question though they're both um, again, to me, are different. It's not They're all about complete, the kill, right? Right. It's the, it's the and, hunt. and and I hate the cold. I hate the dark. For me to get up at three o'clock in the morning, take a shower because you got to do all the scent stuff, and know that I have to go sit in a tree stand like this for twelve hours in twenty degrees. It's it it's the biggest mental. Like I gotta, you know, you don't have to psych yourself into going fishing. You know what I mean? Like right, right. I have to. Oh my God, he might walk out today. And I want to do it with my bow. You know, when you get a deer that big, that's been around for six years and been shot at 20 times and, you know, they're smart. It's hard to kill them. You know, um, they don't get that big by being dumb and to get them within 20 yards and kill them with an arrow. It's, it's just a, so comparing it to fishing, there's only one fish ever to fish. And that swordfish, I don't know that I was shaking. I don't know that I was shaking when we lost that big one, because mm-hmm. I don't think we had, we were just trying to stay in the game and let's figure out a plan and how we're going to kill this thing. Yeah,
1: you're probably thinking on your techniques too much anyway to really, you know what I mean, let it, let it, let the shaking get to, you, you know, so, there's that isolation period with when you're hunting, you know what I mean, of, you know, but when you're actually catching the fish, you you got too much going on yeah. to really probably let it set in. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, th- there was only one fish ever that made me do what a deer does, and that was a twelve or 1,300-pound black marlin I missed on the gaff in Australia <sighs> that Cliffy <he> caught. <sighs> that was the only fish that I was petrified to swing at him.
1: Well, listen, I personally really don't care if you told me which one you like more than the other. I just loved hearing what you just said.
3: Yeah. So let's put, it's
1: put it up. That's why I asked you the question because I just wanted to hear you talk about it.
3: Uh, it's hard to...
1: So we're, we're in the middle of our questions still. So. Next one's from
4: Chris Sanchez. It's for both Tim and Tiny. Who had the best wild goat ride from the years in the hooker <laughs> in Ghana?
3: Tiny wasn't there for that. Yeah, I was. Were you? Absolutely. Uh, Two years on the hooker in Ghana. Are you going to explain I, this to me? Because I, I that
1: I
2: one was from Facebook, yeah. and I didn't know what he was no, talking I about. I I wasn't with you. you That's a good question.
0: So
4: I, yeah. I got a
1: different goat story. Go. <laughs> Excuse me. We're getting getting You sure you sure you don't want any
3: rum? No.
1: So You don't want rum. Actually, you sure you don't want any rum yet,
3: I'm gonna say. So I guess it's all right. he doesn't want any rum yet. No, no rum. So it's uh we were sitting at the hooker house. They they rented a house in, in Ghana on the on the river. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they called it the Hooker House, the Hooker logo and all that stuff. That's where the boat stayed. And we were sitting there eating dinner and uh I don't know how it got brought up. I, I don't, I don't know how it got brought up. Someone's like the, the the end of it was the the little local kids are gonna take a van and go get a goat and I gotta wrestle it. <laughs> <clears throat> so we're carrying on and we're hanging out and shit. Here comes these kids holding this white goat. Like you're kidding me. And he had like little horns. Don't mean he must be. And I'm like Jody, seriously, like I, I you know. I, I got to wrestle a goat, but now I have to. So I did. I, I, got, him, I got him in a headlock, and I went down, <laughs> and I got him, like, laying on me with his feet and his legs up. And I'm like, now what do I do? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck. And then, of course, I was the bad guy because I was, res- you know, wrestling the goat. And, and you're just tenderizing that goat for Ghana, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you're, I, I got a Ghana goat story. Can I answer
2: that? Yeah. yeah. Be, so too. So it's those for both of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... The night we killed a Grander, it was 1,030 pounds it was with uh-huh. Bo Jennings and um, and uh, Clay Hensley on the same boat, same house. Um, the celebrations were getting out of control, right? Because that was like, I've waited my whole life for that. Everybody was partying. It, it was the first Grander killed in Ghana. Uh-huh. And uh, it was, you know, at whatever, West African record or whatever. And, and uh, it was a big deal. It was like, it was a tough kill. It was tough, tough. What uh, on a hooker, on the same, hooker. same oh, on boat. Hooker. That he was okay, fishing right. on. So same
1: trip? S- no, S- same boat. Different season. No, different season. Okay. Different season. This, right.
2: he, Timmy was talking about the season before. This was the season after. This okay. Two thousand and three. So you were there in two thousand and two, I think, right? Yeah, I went two years. I don't know. Yeah. So no. anyway,
1: so you were skip on that? No, with no. This Clay, is, Clay Hensley with Clay. Yeah, all Clay right. and Bo Jennings. Oh, right? oh, okay. Clay
2: gotcha. and Bo. Right. So, so we we killed a grander and uh, Frank Coca-Legbo, who's an African mate, who's an amazing guy. Um. So we kill it and we're celebrating we're having a good time uh uh jay meyer was on that she was jay meyer's trip and uh so we we're just out of control all the africans cut it up nothing went to waste everything was getting eaten and that night a guy a little african guy that worked with us, his name was eddie cornered me up in the kitchen he's like hey listen i don't remember a lot of this conversation <laughs> but he said hey listen you know the guys worked really hard and you know we want to have a celebration um we want to we want to buy some goats so I'm like, whatever, man, get some goats, you know? So the next day, <laughs> yeah, <man.
1: laughs> I, don't I don't quite remember
2: this business deal Dude, going goats down. goats for everybody. I don't remember this business deal going down, but Bo Jennings can 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 verify this, that, that the next day, Eddie shows up. He's like, hey, Tiny, I got your goats. I'm like, got my goats? What are you talking about? I'm hungover as hell, right? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, he's got two little baby black goats, right? I'm like, They're, I mean, these things are like this. And he's just, he's looking at him and he's smiling. He's like, yeah, we're going to have a big chop. Chop means like food, yeah. dinner, right? party so I'm like no nah, Eddie man like how much are the goats I think they're like 20 bucks a piece or something whatever I think I, I think you made a commission on it so I paid for the goats and I'm like you know what Eddie you kind of took advantage of me when I was partying last night you know we're not eating those goats just yet and I was leaving like you know relatively soon after that to, to come back to fish some tournaments and uh, we kept the goats as pets for like for like a couple weeks until I left, and here's the best part. So every morning, Bo would get up and he'd come out of his room and he'd be like rubbing his eyes. He's Australian. He'd be like, oh I'm like, Tiny, what's going?" on He's like, "Ah, oh, those effing goats, mate. Get me, up all night. You, you, you gotta me these goats, man." And, you know, I'm like, "I'm like, no, nah, man." He's like, "They're outside my window and like, and all that." <laughs> I, can't it. And, uh, I mean, Bo was coming apart uh, at the scenes about these goats, right? And I know he's cracking up watching this. And uh <laughs> so anyway, so so I'm like, "No, nah, man. We're like, you wait till." leave. I'm not, I don't want, I ate enough goat in Jamaica as a kid. I'm not eating any goat, right? Like, right. give it to him when I leave. So I'm not kidding you. I leave, I leave in the taxi. I, I, I'm, I'm literally like, get home. And I get this email from Bo. He's like, mate, your goats are bleeding before the taxi even turned the corner. He said they had a nice memorial for you for the goats. Like, they literally cut the goats right there. soon as like, they could not wait for me to leave, right? Because like, oh I was just messing with them, you know, every day I'd come out there at noon, there'd be like nine Africans looking at the goat like, like licking their lips like, <laughs> like they're just ready you know
1: and uh <laughs> that's some good gotta goat story for oh <laughs> my god that's awesome
4: all right next so one why would
1: you, hold, why would chris sanchez know that
2: i have no idea I how have chris, no idea chris sanchez knows
1: everything like his father yeah. carlos like okay. they know everything I, know. I was just curious i was just curious no that's, that's the thing. That's why I was curious. I'm like, yeah. why does he know that? Because you just told me two individual stories. So yeah, right. two different stories. Right. Sorry, no, Carly, no and idea. I cut you off. Goats are a thing in Ghana, for sure. Yeah, I see that.
4: Danielle Maddock.
2: Oh,
1: God. Uh-oh. Mm. Tim,
4: who's your favorite cast net thrower?
1: It's going over your head. Better say her. All right. So... <laughs> well,
4: you, you were cast netting yesterday, so maybe...
1: When I talked to Danielle this morning, mm-hmm. who she didn't tell me her plans for... Mm-hmm her cross oh. track. But she did tell me that you guys were hang oh now it makes sense to me. What? You probably don't remember much from last night.
3: No, I do. So but- she
1: says you guys were all laughing about how when they were little kids who you would have contests on who could throw the cast net furthest. Her and Maureen.
3: Oh, uh, I don't know. I remember I remember. I remember cast that in all of them in the pool one time and they almost all drowned.
5: <laughs> I was
3: like, look, I got them all. And they like swimming. And then they were all gasping fire. <laughs> like, don't want <laughs> it, <Rob. laughs>
1: maybe maybe that's what she meant. John Lois. All, right. right. all right. Oh, Lois, Loisy. Lois, sorry,
4: butchering the but last name. Can you tell a story of a swordfish caught off commercial pier? This is for both of you. And then second part to that is which... Well, we'll go with that one. Can you tell a story of the swordfish caught off commercial pier? There's no name for that. V-
2: Vince so. Austin. Vince Austin. Vince Austin caught a swordfish on a Spanish mackerel sidewinder jig on eight-pound test off England's Pier. I was there. I watched it. Fish was probably... 90 or 100 pounds and it was in it was in the surf eating spanish mackerel it was a good spanish mackerel run we we're fishing for him mm-hmm. the thing was just bloated out like it was full of spanish mackerel and he actually caught it on like eight pound tests on a macro on a spinning rod he had the head out of the water like we were running for the gaff and the net and whatever we could get and he actually caught it the thing just swam right to the pan and suck its head out of the water it was like done really yeah like 10 feet of water i do did he don't land, land it, it? And we never killed it. No, never pulled, killed it. Yeah. He actually, he actually never. The 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 jig was never in the fish's mouth. It was on the tip of his bill. Okay. When the fish turned his head straight up, it literally slid off after a few minutes. I think it right. had like a wrap around it, and it came off. And it was it was a nice one. I mean, it's it kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, some crazy stuff swam by that pier, man. Right, I was just man, thought you were going to say he caught them. it on a sock.
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, this one's it's for both you gentlemen, but this one's going to be for Tiny first. Which method is better for getting results from a crew? <clears throat> Loud and vocal, or calm and collected? I would love to hear tiny <sighs> Um uh,
2: I never yelled, man. I, I never yelled, but I was always very stern. <laughs> And and before headsets, are like there's no need to yell. Like honestly, mm-hmm. I've only had one captain. Like, you're looking at me. You are after your fourth kite going in the water. I was probably yelling. Yes. Bullshit, buddy. Oh shit, <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh.
5: Oh, I see. But here's the.
2: I, I would have to say calm and serious, like especially with headsets these days. Mm-hmm. There's no. Back in the day, you're yelling because you you know you, you, nobody can hear you or you're in the tower what the or whatever. What
5: the fuck are you doing down there, man? What the oh fuck?
2: Oh my god! Here she goes. <laughs> Listen, she You told, gave her the business. She got the business one day when I was like, "You need to stop acting like no. you're better than you are and be so humble." So what was she like, doing? She's fishing with me. She I, was know, actually I know. A mate on, she was a second mate on a boat actually at one time. All right. Yeah, we went kite fishing. And I'm like, you know how to kite fish? She's like, Oh yeah.
4: (laughs) No. He had me wrapped up because I was so worried about this the school that I went through the night before about Tiny getting me on the dock and what I had to have and not do and everything like that. And Mm -hmm. I already was kite fishing. That's why I was put in a position to where I was to work second mate with him. Okay. Obviously it was I didn't just make sandwiches. You know, but all it was right. a good sandwich, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, so when you're down there, after you get schooled from Tiny the night before and you're down there running the thing, you get all fumbled because then you're worried about, am I doing it right? Am I not doing it right? Is Tiny going to, you know? So mm-hmm. I may have slipped up a little bit.
2: But I, I, listen, I, I stood. I, I just like everything, I evolve is with the, the understanding and the teaching, especially these days with mm-hmm. younger people because— they're not from the school we came from where we got yelled at and screamed at and like got told like don't do that again or you're going on going home you know these days it, it, it's definitely you have to manage people crew and crew is the most difficult part of sport fishing on a private level your crew getting a good crew is the is very difficult meaning it's I i shouldn't say it's difficult it's just hard there's a lot of training and i kind of over the years of getting frustrated <clears throat> diverting from Carlene, <laughs> but she was great. No, Carlene's awesome. Let me, let me just say this. Let me, let me get back there. I don't want Carlene is awesome. Let me tell you about Carlene. Carleen's Carleen. I mean, the is, only time only, um, bartender we've had on twice. That's awesome. And she should be like, she needs a full-time job because when it comes to fishing and the experience of fishing,
4: <laughs> I'm looking for work. I have, okay, go ahead. The, the love and passion
2: for fishing right here. Like she, there's no doubt that's a fisherman. Like, mm-hmm. No doubt about it. That's not a poser. And you know, I used to I used to give her a hard time about like not being that back in the day when she really wasn't. When you look at all the Instagram heroes that are out there today, that's a fisherman, right? That, she's in a room full of fishermen right now. Like she's one of them. So I give her all the credit in the world. She has a passion and a love for it, and she's seen some catches and been a part of catches from thousand pounders in Canada to twelve hundred pounders in Bermuda to to giant blue marlin. I mean, she's mm-hmm. she's done it. You know, she's seen it. She, right. has, she has more nerve than a lot of people out there. Yeah, That's the real that.
1: reason why I want her to be the bartender yeah, on the it's show. Pretty authentic. It's not just because she's hot.
2: Pretty authentic. But, yeah. yeah, no, she's Appreciate cool.
1: Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what that's what the, one of the questions was last week, right? Was why How the, would the, the, you get the, such a hot bartender? Well, that
4: was why I had rubber gloves on, and he was a hot bartender. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: waiting for, for you to put up a kite from behind the bar.
4: <laughs> you can keep looking over his shoulder at me like something's all oh, nothing but love, baby. Nothing but love. love. I'm scooting nice. in closer and closer, getting a little behind me.
1: What do you think on the matter?
3: I don't know. I, I, I've been on a lot of different boats, and you see whether it's running them, fishing on them, you know, angling, whatever, and everybody's got their own deal. Okay. Thanks, man. Um, my thing, and I am extremely vocal, um,
4: Where water go?
3: but it's, it's out of the passion for it, right? Uh-huh. I think there's a disrespectful vocal Where your people are now, they get scared, they're nervous, and they're saying "screw you." And there's man, he's doing it because he wants us to be the best and feel it and and push us. So, and I and I think that's where I was more than quiet and more than offensive. I was just, you know, we can't do this. You can't have a snap swivel, but guys, yeah, I'm screaming because we just lost a fifty thousand dollar
1: fish. Right,
3: you you know. I'm glad you made that distinction, though.
1: Because there is a difference between an asshole and just yelling out of passion. Right? Yeah.
3: And, and I think there's all of the above. I think there's yeah. quiet captains. Um, somebody I know that fished with me for some time fished with Ray, I think, last year, Ray Rocher. Mm-hmm. he goes, he's just as cool, as calm as can be. And yeah. And Artie's like that too, where know, he's just like, you know, um, I can't, I don't, when I get like that, I won't do it anymore. Right. You know right. what I mean? I'm, yeah. I want to scream and yell. I'm not wearing a headset or I'm going to blow your eardrums out. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, <So> you <laughs> can't, you can't scream and yell. There's no need for it.
2: And I think, I think the headsets make a huge difference for me in, in the communication, right? The communication. Cause I remember I got to a point when I had a lot of captains that talked to me and when I felt I was over talking in the cockpit, the, the, the key thing is if you're trying to teach somebody. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's Thank a lot you. of communication yeah. that has to happen so I think the headsets
3: make a huge difference in it there's communicating hey yeah. slide it out a little yeah. further reel it in a little bit check your beak, exactly. Right, there's a lot of that that you might not be able to do 35 feet up mm-hmm. in a tower you know Can't on a 20 knot wind Yeah, but none of that's changing when you get a bite right? I, yeah. I think so there's the communication yeah. hey yeah. right, make everything go smoother but then when it comes together and holy shit we got a triple on all that goes out the window and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Yeah.
1: So this is the part of the show where I, I He's always naked. make the comparison with fishing and art, right? Cause I like, I probably do this practically every episode, right? Cause I always believe there are huge parallels of the two. And this is why I love fishing so much. Why it's, it's, I was so passionate about it is because as an artist, I see a lot of these parallels, right? So there's uh, different ways to look at art. Like if you look at my art and you look at Liz's art on the wall, two completely different spectrums of, of how to approach things. Right. But you're, you're getting the same result when it comes to passion. Right. And, and and saying, yes, that's art or yes, that's fishing. Right. You know, where one guy can be cool, calm and collected and just say, that's the way I'm managing my anglers and my, and I've done all my prep work, my I've already had all my conversations with them ahead of time. You know what I mean? Or, you know, no, I feel the need to art direct this in. You know, what I mean? and, and 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 really just make sure that we don't miss that. You know, what I mean? in my way, right? Right. And there's and art is created the same way. You're gonna have one guy that's gonna approach the creation level that way, that way. and you're gonna have one guy that's gonna create do the creation level that way. So this, that's my art and fishing parallel for today. So I, I get sense. it. I that's get awesome. it. I mean, It's, it's yeah. you know, I mean, you you know, know, you got a
3: there. lot of good fishermen. You got different, you know, D- different, different structure, different, different folks, right? Different deals. Who's your winner? On sound, was that? <laughs> As I said, an Apocalypse Now. Or my Who's your winner? Down? I'm going to go with Chris Sanchez.
1: I think Chris had the... Uh, he
2: Man, nailed I'd it have there. to say, yeah, I'd have to say Sanchez, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we'll do a
3: consolation prize. I don't know how he knew that. I have no idea. I don't, I, I don't know. I, he
1: pulled one. He That's pulled a goat one.
3: out of his See, hat. He, like, he pulled a goat. <laughs> the goat. Yeah. He spent some time with Bo. Yeah, probably
1: Bo and Jody, maybe. Yeah, you know? That might have been it. That might have been yeah, it. Maybe. So, all right, I'm going to give a consolation T-shirt to Daniel as a going away present so all right those are our papa's large strange questions i think we had some good ones today yeah um me. so we're gonna get back to something that i want you guys i want you both to talk about first i want to get your opinion on the matter right because we had him in here to tell his own rendition of the story him and his buddies right? it was buddy and his girlfriend right but your son owns the florida state record for swordfish 767, Mm -hmm. right? And my first inclination as a father, when I saw the pictures on Facebook and the the internet exploded that day, was to think of you. That was my Mm -hmm. first inclination, not even to think of him and and everything. It was to think of you, right? As a dad, right? And you had to have just been tickled pink with the whole event of this just knowing who you are and how you grew up and how your family son of a son of a sailor here right 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 and um when I explained it to Timmy on the show was you know yeah you guys are young to have caught this fish because there are guys out there fishing a lifetime to catch the fish of a lifetime and you guys did it so young but when they brought it up on the dock, no one was surprised it was them. Right. And there's a lot to that statement, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. And a lot of that has to do with you. I know it for a fact. Right. I'm not even speculating. Um, and, but I want to hear what your thoughts are on the matter. And I want to hear both your thoughts on the matter because I mean, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on the matter as a connoisseur of the game right yeah. and, and just you know what what you feel and having the intimate knowledge of the family and everything like that but I, just well the thing about it, he, hasn't, he hasn't
2: talked about we talked about a lot of sailfish tournaments a lot of stuff mm-hmm. but what people don't probably don't even really know this a lot of people don't know this which i'm fortunate enough to know he was one in in 99 2000 he was one of the pioneers of nighttime swordfishing him and eric leach mm-hmm. and chris zedar and those guys these guys were going out at night and putting up numbers that he had a fence how many, I don't know. He had, he had a picket fence of swordfish bills in his backyard going all the way around his house. like he And I knew this halfway around the world. Like, I, I was, like, keeping track of how many, like, they were catching. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, this is this is before the day timing thing. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's a sword fisherman, right? This was when there was maybe a handful of guys, Casey Hunt. um
3: Frick Frack. Frickin'
2: Frack. And Timmy. And Eric, and I went with Eric, actually, when I came back from traveling with Eric, I came back and, like, we fished the way he fished, and Eric and and Tim fished. But he, they were crushing so many nighttime swordfish that, uh, here's a question for you. How much of that bled over into the knowledge of the day timing thing? Because he was, you know, he was definitely one of the pioneers of South Florida nighttime swordfishing.
3: We were talking about that last night, too, when Chippy came over chippy and i went one night we caught 13 and missed we never put a rod down we were like stand-up fishing with 80s wow we killed 13 just the two of us and um swordfish you know that's like Mm -hmm. you know um you know the the only thing with the with the day timing there was a big void between when we were going to venezuela you know when Mm -hmm. all that stuff was going on and and we were catching them there in the daytime mickey mouse way like tying oh, pantyhose with boxes of rocks <laughs> and you got to break the line i mean just half ass at best like i feel if you ever went there and did it the right way you don't god knows how many you would catch but we should have started it here way sooner mm-hmm. we should have took what we were learning from venezuela and started here but we were like man it was there's no current there there's way too much current here you'll never be able to do it hence why you got to leave your lead on Right. Right. If that makes any right. sense. Yeah. Um, so it would have been cool to, you know, be the inventor of that here, you know, and and, and been doing it before anybody else. But um, I don't know, you know, night timing was, uh, you know, I mean, you can go out and catch swordfish on rod and reel. You know, how many fish can we hook out here that pull drag on 80? Mm-hmm. Right? You're not catching tunas, really. You're not catching marlin so outside no, of, uh, outside of yeah. shark
1: fishing it's definitely our local beast right
3: so for when sure you can, when yeah. it was the only, a lot of them. it was yeah. the only fish that you could yeah i mean you could would you, you ever could, put a harness on you could floor
1: marlin fish out here and you could do okay and they're out there yeah. you know what i mean right. but it's like to target them like you do in the bahamas i mean it's, right. is it worth it right you and know what i mean but you're right you fish is, at- so, the, so the, the swordfish is our local beast
2: yeah. yeah. And you're catching a lot of them back then before the buoy permits and before, yeah. you know, that's when after they shut down longliners, like there was, like, guess, again, there was a handful of boats that kept it real
3: quiet for a long time. You know, you well, were, we were doing it. The longliners yeah. were still here. Yeah. That's they how long, they still oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You had to dodge them when you yeah. were putting your rods mm-hmm. out.
1: So the question really was about yourself. What's your thought, too? <clears throat> tell me your thoughts. Like, I want to understand, I want to know how you felt basically for the, rather than skate around and ask you some pretty ass questions. Yeah. yeah. Like, how the, Rick, did you feel when your son brought that fish
3: up? So I was hunting with a friend of mine. I was like right. five hours from Pompano. So clearly I wasn't getting back. Mm-hmm. And I had half-ass service at best yeah. on the property I was on. So I, he called me, called me, called me, called me. And after like five or six calls of getting connected and then disconnected, I, I got, he's on his way in with a good one right i didn't know if that was 300 or 500. is that lance calling you no timmy timmy's calling you you know right. as he's getting closer and closer okay. to coming in and i found one spot where i my phone finally connected and, and i was getting you know full service or half service and i got like 20 text messages timmy's coming in with a giant holy or like from other people because I, I guess they were all calling people and mm-hmm. and i got all these text messages so Finally, I get Timmy on the phone and he's like, Dad, I got a uh what was a hundred and six inch short length or 110 inch short. I'm going, holy shit. Yeah, right, right. It's the real deal. And he's like, it's got like an 80, 90 inch girth. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's you, you know, you you're gonna be right there with Stanzik. I mean, I right, don't know right. what the rest of the fish looks like, you know, but with what you're saying, it's a friggin' giant. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I, I couldn't move. I sat there the whole time in that spot because I didn't want to, you know, like I wanted to go home so bad. But I think you talked about it with those guys seeing the video when they started jacking that fish up uh-huh. and all the kids and all the people that were on the dock, you know, and listening to, oh shit, six, fifty six eight, you know, it went up to like, I think like 850 or something at one mm-hmm. point before it spilled a bunch of water out of it, you yeah. know, um, And then when it settled in, it's a 767 pound swordfish. You just caught the biggest one out of how many swordfish have been killed here in the last 10 years. Of all
1: the buoys and all the nights and all the the nights
3: and all the days. I mean, I don't know what that, I'm sure Artie can tell you in five minutes sitting on the board, but it's got to be thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah. You just caught the biggest one. So as much as I wanted to be there or would have loved to been there, I think they, he was better off without me you take it. You know what I mean? You did it. You know, like, I feel like, Mm -hmm. and we talked about it a little bit. Um, they deserve the credit. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. You know, like you did it. And, and I just think that it was awesome for them to, you know, to, to be able to get that credit, you know, the, the, um, you know, to come in with a 767 pound swordfish and get to enjoy what comes with it when they talk about, Oh my God, Facebook won't stop. And all the, you know, publicity yeah. and phones ringing and people sending them stuff and, you know, world record. And, you know, it's, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's awesome. I mean, there's, it's and as a father, yeah, it's just like, you know, cause of course I was getting the the spillovers from that. Hey man, congratulations on this. And, you know, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. so it's, um, you know, it's a great feeling i mean it's you know like- what i
1: told him i said you know you know not only is it cool that you know with because the, the, him being a legacy fisherman like i call him a legacy fisherman of pompano right um he brought that fish back to pompano and that's what i see too yeah yeah you know, what we talked about before about you know us being the mecca right of all creation, or whatever right. you want to call right. it, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean. You know what I mean. He brought that fish back to Pompano. Right. Your son did that. Right. It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. That is pretty cool. You guys are pretty tight, right? No, we, we hang out, t- out a lot, but we're I good know, friends. I know we talked yeah. about the whole, you know, and that's how friends go. <laughs> yeah, good you friends. Know what mean? You, you I fall in out and out. And you know what I mean, and everything like that. But you know, you guys are like, you know, we could sit here now today, and you could talk. You could just pick up right where you left off. You know, and that, that's what good friends do. That's it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, And you guys have, you know, bonds that have brought you together um, over time. You know what I mean? Whether it's fishing or whether it's, you know what I mean? Goats. Goats. (laughs) Whatever the hell. Um,
3: (laughs) It's really fishing. I mean.
1: You also both have stared death in a vase and lived to tell the tale. Um, Do you feel that these are things that that maybe there's something else to that between you two? too? I mean, is there something like is that something you've ever consciously thought of? I guess is probably the better question. To where, like, you know, and I see this. I don't know if you guys, you guys might not see this, right? But I see two guys who are dedicated to their craft, masters of their craft, right? For sure, certainly, that share a lot of common bonds, and and you guys also share that bond. Um. And it's a unique feeling. I'm sure I can't say it because I never have stared at that, you know what I mean? But you both have, um, and you know, I think it's an interesting thing to have you both here in the same room, given all the parallels to that. Right. And, you know, we talked about before the show, um, you know, is there anything off limits? And I, I want to kind of stress that before, before I ask that question, um, you know, if you don't have to answer it, if you don't want to for sure. And if I'm out of turn, I'm out of turn. But th- I know this is a very serious thing. That's why yeah. that's why I say it like that. You know what I mean? Um, but are you guys able to share any thoughts on, on that, you know, aspect of, of your relationship?
3: Uh mine was after his, right? When, yeah. What year yeah. was your ninety five. Ninety five. So I was yeah. five years after him. Um or oh shit. Fifteen Probably. years after him. Sorry right 10, T- 10 was, was it five 2010 2010 yeah 15 15, 15, 15 years. years so you know again we weren't hanging out every day then mm-hmm. you know and whatever he was working on this boat and that you know it was just one of them voids in our relationship I guess if you would mm-hmm. whatever and and then you know the words out you know what had happened and you know again how does right i mean people charter your boat hold you at gunpoint right you shouldn't be here i don't care what you did right yeah I dodged a couple bullets but you know <laughs> timmy
2: dodged something that people don't dodge like yeah. you can't even see it coming wow. you know and i hope you share that but you know what i'd like to say about it is when i heard tim's story I, I was i was sad and shocked but i think i called you around that time too um a, a while after you had recovered and stuff but um but the thing is, you know, what what I've learned and and I wasn't surprised that he survived what he survived because from the day I met him I always knew he's from I tell you stories about his knee. He's somebody who possesses grit, right? Grit. And that's something that I think is is overlooked a lot um, in our business these days.
1: I think in just in life, society, in, life. You know, yeah, in society. Listen, but- when I see Tim, you know what I see? I see like like I look at him and I see like a guy from World War Two,
2: yeah, he's a tough dude. You know what man. I mean, like tough like one thing. of those
1: seasoned soldiers that have seen the shit, that have been through it all, that that just eats nails for breakfast, like that, like like that's the kind of guy he is. You know what I mean, like you know, and you, you drink black coffee because it, not because it tastes good, just because it makes me a bigger man or whatever. You know what I mean, yeah. like that kind of like. You know, he's a gritty dude. Battleship man. Navy guy that's just been hardened by war. You know what I mean? And that's what that's what I see when I look in the eyes of Tim Maddock.
2: Well, you got to be tough to go to sea. There's no doubt about it right. no matter what. But what, you know.
1: Well, I guess he, he represents like an attitude and a passion from an era long forgotten. That's cool. Mean, man, th- they that they I think to sure. today's society needs a little bit more of. Some toughness. He obviously
2: taught it to his kid because right. his kid's out there doing a lot of pretty amazing stuff and killing big creatures, you know?
1: Yeah. So I didn't, I cut you off there. No,
2: no, I was just saying, you know, I wasn't surprised that he, he survived that situation because again, grit, he's a tough guy. I've seen him deal with things that other people would never deal with, you know? And, and I mean, he actually even taught me that when I was younger, you know, like I would always pick his brain about like, how do I get in the game? And he'd say, dude, you have to, you're a big guy, man. Like nobody's got, he was honest with me. Mm -hmm. He was like, you're going to have to be faster than everybody. You're going to have to be smarter than everybody. You're going to have to work harder. Just just right. the truth of it. I'm telling you, chances are you're probably not going to get your foot in the door. And that actually really was super inspirational to me. At least he told me what I had to do because mm-hmm. he had been there and done it, you know. And then to, again, to watch him go through some of the things that he's he's been through. I mean, the dude and, and and you know, how he runs a boat, how he how he fish was so intense and hardcore. It's not surprising that the guy would come out of shaking hands with the grim reaper, you know? Right. And I don't know if the audience, I don't know if you're going to share any of how that happened or what happened, but I think it'd be interesting, <clears throat> interesting to share.
3: I know he's humble when it comes to it, but it's it's an act he doesn't want to. Yeah. It's, no, it's, 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 um, you know, for me, um, yeah, you know, how does that shape you moving forward? I I've, guess I've told a story a thousand times, obviously. Right. And, you know, and, um, So I never would be hunting if it wasn't for that. Mm -hmm. Right. I never hunted a day in my life before my accident. Um, Not being able to walk for two or three months, you know, on the couch every day. The only thing that's on TV all day, every day is hunting shows. Mm -hmm. And I've had customers ask me in the Midwest, like for years, hey, if you ever want to kill a deer, come and kill one. And after, you know, being on the couch, watching all these hunting shows, I'm like, man, if I can ever get off this couch, I'm going to buy a bow and I'm going to kill a deer with it. And a month after I got off the couch, I killed a deer at my buddy's house in Texas with my bow and worst mistake I ever made. But, (laughs) um, you know, you talk about different things in life and right. How do you put a, a price on your time? And, and, um, you know, for me, what happened to me and, and I look back on it every day. Um, you know, my son's got a friend in the hospital right now that he got drugged the other night, swallowed his vomit. He's Now he's poisoned in his lungs. Kid's 21 years old. Kid that was on the boat with him when they caught the swordfish, Jeremy. Really? <clears throat> so I was telling my wife yesterday, we went and shot our bows um, just at target practice. And th- the feeling that I remember being in the hospital or one of the f- millions of feelings, but like not knowing, not knowing what's going on, not remembering what you remember, not knowing your name. Like my kids are holding my hand. I don't know who they are. Um, It's a, it's a fucked up place. It's a, you don't want to be there. Right. And, and this kid, Jeremy's there right now, right? Mm-hmm. 21 years old. And they won't let no one in the hospital to see him except his mom. So I didn't like talking to his mom. And I was telling my wife yesterday and I'm like, man, I, I feel like, I feel like I can go there and, and I could wake him up. He's on a ventilator been for a week now. I'm like, I feel like I could. Right. I've been there. I don't know. It's crazy. Like I have never felt I'm not this super spiritual guy, but like we were just talking about this yesterday. Um, so you know, going through what I went through and never supposed to make it through the night. Never gonna walk again, never gonna eat again, never gonna drink again, never gonna go to the bathroom again by yourself. Um, every doctor from around the world go and no one's ever been exposed to that much carbon dioxide and and live. No one's ever there's never been a survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me, of course, being me, and I'm fuck, oh, I I should have saved her, I should have saved the dog, y- you know, just because that's me. Um but again, I was talking to my wife about it yesterday and I'm like, you know, there's no, there's no right Medi- medicine, science, right? There's no science that I should be here. No whatsoever. None. Jay Meyer said, oh shit, this level's up to that level. That level's here. His kidneys aren't right. working. I mean, not you're a living mirror. Not I mean, only is he going to die, but he's going to go through the worst pain he's ever experienced right. in the next 48 hours before he dies. Right? this yeah. is coming from brain surgeons and you know blah 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 um, you know for me it just you know and it took me a long you know you say have you retired yet I, I say it jokingly um, my accident was in August 2010 and I pretty much didn't work until three years ago from mm-hmm. from 2010 and not by choice. Right. Right. So like I look at the first year and the second year and third year after my accident, I don't remember any of it. I don't remember any of it. Like there's a void in my life that I just don't remember. Um, and for whatever reason, um, you know, three years ago, my brother and I kind of worked a deal out at work and, um, you know, I don't know that it's better or worse or just learn to deal with it or, or whatever just happens in time happens mm-hmm. in time. But knock on wood, I'm back to where I used to be at work. And, and um, you know, it's not easy because my brain doesn't work the way it used to work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think you just and you, and you take I say it was the most humbling experience of my life almost to a fault because it for years shut me down.
5: Mm
3: -hmm. you know so yeah i'm walking and you know for five six years i was going through all these lawsuits right and and you know forget about the lawsuit and the case and like i can't do what i used to do right you know you can't put a price on that and i'm not trying to you know um And I don't, you guys can, and I would start cursing at both lawyers on both sides and start crying and leave the building and say, I'm done with it. It's Mm -hmm. not worth it. Right. So, um, it's, it it was just a, you know, extremely, extremely, extremely humbling experience that, you know, I'm glad I am where I am today and, and able to talk about it. And, um, you know, I can go back to work and, you know, um, I don't do a lot of things that I used to do. They say one of the biggest things right. from carbon monoxide, one of the m- biggest side effects is you lose interest in things that you used to do or relationships that you used to have, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's spot on. You know, I used to yeah. go free diving 10, 15 times a year in Bimini. I haven't been the water five times since my accident, you know, so it's just weird and I used to love it. Mm-hmm. I don't do it anymore. You know, so there's a, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of stuff like that. And, Um, you know, business wise, it's like, you know, can I do it again? Right. Will I be able to, you know, or is this, this is what I got, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you look at things a lot differently. You know, I do. I mean, I have to, you know, it was, it was too close. Do you find
1: that, um, getting on the water helps or, you know what I mean? Like, because I mean, given, given the things that we talked about earlier with your lineage and where you've come from and it's just being who you, you're right. just being who you are. Right. How do you feel when you're on the water now? Like, and, and, cause I know that's a huge part of your life. Right. Right. Like, yeah. you know, you really, really huge part of your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and to say that you're probably more comfortable on the water than on land might be fair. <laughs> right maybe you know so i mean do, do you do you find that things are different out there now for you or do you, do you feel that there's an aspect to that that's somewhat um
3: helping in recovery of all things like that i mean the 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 you know the physical side because my legs and my muscles and nerves and all that stuff so that was really hard for a mm-hmm. long time um you know Certainly not as easy getting up and down, the, you know, the tower as it used to be. Um, there's many people that have reached out to me that say you got to be in the sun for three hours a day because you still have carbon monoxide in your system, and don't let anybody tell you a difference. Here's the science behind that. And is that like a mind fuck? I don't mean? know. This is a guy yeah. that reached out to me that, yeah, you know, he's been studying it since before anybody knew what it was, and and here's what his research you know, has, has, has told him, uh, and I don't do it anymore, but there was a point in time when my fiance, who I'm with now, you know, our, our relationship was like this because again, my mind's all over the place, my yeah. brain's not working right. And I don't do it anymore, but I remember a couple of years ago, like I would come home from work and I would just go sit out back, smoke a cigar and and just kind of get the last couple hours of the, you know, Mm -hmm. and I do feel like it did a difference. Like, I feel like it did something, you know, being on a boat, you're in the sun all day, obviously. Um, you know, if, if, you know, I I couldn't wait to get back on the water after it happened, you know, like, um, you know, cause that is me. That was me. You know, that's me. So I, I gotta, I gotta be out there, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I love being on the water again. If it's goggle eye fishing or sail fishing, or, you know, I went bass fishing the other day off of 75, you know, I don't care, you know, just being on the water is you know, it's what we do. It's what this we grew the, up doing.
1: This is connected by water, right? So this, this is kind of like, I always, I always get like, I always want to find out everyone we have on the show, like what does connected by water mean to you? Right. You know, it, Because it's a broad term in my mind, if you really think about it, because it could be means so many different things um you know but you know, the way we kind of look at it here is that you know it's not a fishing show it's not necessarily a fishing business i mean it's just we try to like look at the big, the big picture of, yeah. of it all and like what is connected by water and and um and bringing us together you know to kind of get beneath and you know see, see where our roots are and you know how deep our mangroves punch into the sand a little bit and um that's kind of what I wanted to ask you too Like, how much does that affect you because I'm always kind of I'm always looking to grasp it rope for for more theories on the whole connected by water because that's always my search my philosophical search on it too Well, you say you want to
3: get the right people right so you know already skip you know Andy was and Moisey was on it you know Mm. I mean you can't get any more right you know what I mean and whatever your story is or what tournament fishing or making lures or you know, making sure I don't, it doesn't matter. Like it's in your blood. Right. And, and those are just a few of the guys that, you know, it's, it's what we do. That's
1: it, It's what we it's do. what we do yeah, for we're, we're able to make a living at it or do it, you know, whatever, then that's, that's, that's great. You know what I mean? But it's all about that shared passion. And, but it, it, there's a reason that, I mean, you try to define passion. Right. Right. And it's very tough to define that word. Right. You know what I mean? Because, It's like, well, okay, it's passion, but what, what does it give back to you? Right. And I might be stumbling over this one a little bit, but like, that's what it's about at the end of the day. Right. Like if you can kind of bring passion into every day, like some way, somehow, you know, like, like today is the day, right. Like if you can wake up every morning and say, no, today is the day I settle those debts. And today is the day that, you know, I, I capitalize and I just don't get by. Right. And today is the day, right. That, that I reach out to that person. i avoid. I keep saying in my head, I got to call that person, you know, like the day is the day where I finish that job. Right. And if, and if you can say that every day, then you're going to live every day with passion, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, if, if you, it's the carpe diem kind of theory, you know, it's like to, if today is the day, like not tomorrow, because tomorrow is right. waiting too long. You know? and, and you don't know if you're going to be there
3: tomorrow. Yeah, right. Yesterday the yesterday, yesterday's gone. I thank
1: God for it. You yeah, know what mean? Yesterday's gone. Not tomorrow.
2: I don't, I don't think a, a day goes by as a fisherman, uh, any fisherman, at least that's why I, I think that you don't wake up and go, today's the day, you know, like you talk about getting, out, getting into the tree stand at 5 o'clock in the morning. But when you're fishing for the fish of your dreams, yeah. same thing, just right. like you're hunting for the deer of your dreams, Man, today's the day and that motivates you. And that I think is where the passion, that's where you find out if you're passionate or not, you know? Yeah. Usually you've stayed up all night thinking about that one or <laughs> thinking about winning the tournament or thinking about shooting that deer. Yeah. That's 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 where you know what passion is. The cool thing about all of us being connected by water, number one, it builds amazing friendships. Right. Right. There's two guys sitting here that, you know, that that are witnesses to that, that are examples of that. But man, it's it's amazing. It's 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 such a cool thing where fishermen can and i've always said this the thing you're most passionate about and you love the most in life you can do for a living you can make a living of it whether it's art yeah catching a fish you know or you know being a captain or whatever you can make a living at the thing that you love to do the most in life and i Mm -hmm. think that is where people forget how lucky we all are you know the friendships are are the bonus to that
1: yeah you know i I agree unlike and, other and, businesses. And, and the trick is to do it in a way where you don't become a slave to it. That's it. That's the trick.
2: That's it. you
1: gotta love it. you yeah. gotta love it and if you, you lose love, love it. for it, if you yeah. lose love for it, that's why you got to keep that today is the day in right. your head. Today's the day. That's why because that's what keeps your passion alive. yeah that's what keeps that passion, that drive that from being just a job.
2: yeah,
1: right If you could say no today is the day where my Sistine Chapel happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or today's the day that oh. I at your least talk to, the, talk to the to the people or the thing that I'm working on that make that Sistine Chapel happen. Like today's the day I drive that nail into the fucking board. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And just like fishermen, your best artwork, I, t- I would take a bet with you, has not happened yet. No. It's like the best fish we've caught, ever caught, hasn't
1: happened yet. I'm going to say that on my deathbed. I, I,
2: don't, I don't think the best days of fishing I ever had have come yet you know? Yeah. I'm grateful for the ones I've had. And I'm sure you are too. Absolutely. But if you're not thinking like the best is yet to come, man, you better, <laughs> you better figure that out. So
1: there's another art and fishing parallel. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to stop being an artist. I'm going to die an artist.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. We're going to die fishermen. Right. Yeah.
1: It's not what you do. It's who you are. Absolutely. hundred percent. It's in your, like core. you, you listen, you could retire from being an, and. No offense to any accountants or lawyers out there, but, you know, you could stop doing that one day and just be done with it, yeah. right? But I grew up always knowing that I was, yeah. I had a gift to do this, you know what I mean? And and my whole life, I've just, I've never applied to any normal college, just applied to art schools, right. you know what I mean? It's like, and no one ever had a problem with that. That's it, man. You know what I mean? It's Because it's not what I do, it's what I am. You know what yeah. I mean? And I grew up a fisherman too. You know what I mean? And, and that's the thing. It's like, you're going to die that way. And, you, and once you accept that, and once you understand that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And clear your freaking path. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. Don't expect for any anything else to come up and ride up your ass and say, hey, this is something different. Now we're going this way. No, oh. mm-hmm. That ain't going to happen. No, you got to do what you love and you never yeah, want to do in
2: your life. Yeah. Right? <laughs> good
1: stuff. I'm so happy you guys came in today. Thank
2: you for having us, man. I'm thank glad you, I got to see you. this guy.
1: Thank, thank you. Know. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. you. I can't thank you enough for that, Tim. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Appreciate you opening up like that.
2: Worries. Thank you for like documenting all the awesome people you have on your podcast, like seriously, and getting to hear <laughs> stories, even though we're friends with a lot of them, you hear sides on your podcast that to, to these people's lives that never knew existed. And I think that's just awesome. You can hear their stories, you know?
1: I mean, when you grow up in high school and you walk into a room and you see a big ass bluefin tail <laughs> on a wall, right. And then the guy walks into the room and then 30 years later, I can bring him back into this room and have a nice conversation with him about life and where we've been and what we did. It's pretty
3: cool. It's cool it's stuff.
1: You know what I mean? Then really cool. Here we are. that's why why i do it man That's really why i do it because like we we grew up here you know what i mean and this is a special place right and that was a special time and this is a special time too great things are happening now years from now they're going to talk about your kid swordfish right but we highlighted it when it happened right right but we're also talking about the things that went back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's like, that's why I want to do it because I see what I grew up in, in the little bubble that is Pompano that everyone makes fun of Pompton. Right. right. But it's a beautiful place, man. Filled with beautiful people that are tough as nails. Yeah. Right. But they got hearts of gold. They really do. Cause we all share a passion. Yep. So, all right. I want to thank our sponsors today, right? So if you're in the market for a new truck, call Dean over at Joey Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. He will help you out and hook you up and get you into a brand new vehicle. Right. Um, They got a lot of good deals going on. They always do. Um, Joey's another good friend of ours. We we went to high school together and you know what I mean? And uh, he's just really a big, nice member of the community and does a lot of good things for a lot of people around here. So, you know, support that please. Um, I want to uh, remind everyone to never, be a spectator as our friends at Papa's Pilar Rum always tell us. Right. Um We drank the Sherry cask today. Good You stuff. drank the blonde. Oh, you drank I, the, no, I drank Sherry cask just, and the blonde. You really started good. with the Sherry. Yeah, I call them really Sherry good. Cokes. Really good, man. But yeah. So um, unique yeah. flavor. So um, th- this really is the, you know, the, one of my greatest things I love about being associated with the Pilar family is just not just the product, but the people, I mean, they're, they're just a great great group of guys i mean the people that run this organization they're top notch i mean they're all, they're all big time anglers and you know tropic star and you know, big fish kind of company and, and you know they, they really bring forth the hemingway way. it's awesome keeping it yeah. hemingway alive yeah. Yeah. man it's yeah awesome. exactly for sure so we appreciate that i want to give a shout out to our good friends at maui Jim, our good friends at olakai and also if you're hungry i really suggest that everybody in this room go to papa's raw bar and order something from the connected by water sushi menu, because that is a beautiful menu full of the best sushi in all of South Florida. Um, and also head over to pop amigos. If you're hungry for lunch one day, they got the food truck over there in the Bailey arts district. And also they just announced that they're opening up a new coconut Creek location. So they're going to have two locations, right? Which, um, which we're very, very proud of. So um, also, I want to remind everyone that we did design the entire line of CV apparel. So if you guys want to go over there and enjoy some of the d Frail collection, go over to shop.cvboats.com and check it out. We just launched our new women's line, which came out. And um, so hopefully you guys get the chance to check that out and enjoy it. So uh, do you guys have any parting gifts and words before we sign off? No, nope. thanks, Carlene. Thanks I for making. Love Tiny. Some, love you, too. Thanks for making good cocktails. <laughs> I love
4: you, Tiny. Carlene.
1: You're throwing me under the bus. Thank you so much. <laughs>
4: Anytime. Thank you so for having me. He
1: wanted you in a bikini. So yeah, maybe, don't maybe, tell, maybe don't next time. That, maybe we'll have next to work time.
4: That out next time. So sorry. Married
1: woman there. <laughs> so, Married woman there.
4: I'm old <laughs> over 40 now. All good
1: fun. All, all good fun. Good. All good fun. All good. Sorry, Tiny. just all good. Sorry, I didn't mention that. So all right, cool. Listen, your ego is not your amigo, right? Always do your best. And in the end, Just let God do the rest, right? And do not ever forget, never forget this, that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we are always connected by water. Thank you, gentlemen. Absolutely, thank you. Good shit. Good job, man. Nice.
0: Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive
2: with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all.
0: This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV